Welcome to A Positive Spin, a well-being podcast without all the BS. Some of the S, I'm Kate Barron. <laughs> I'm Sarah Starkman. And it's episode 17. Woo! What a good age. 17 was a good age, right? I was a chubby virgin, so I'm not sure. <laughs> cool, cool, yeah. Blink, blink, in yeah. the background. Oh, good uh, lord! I... We all had different ages of of memorable times. You know, it was just a more innocent. Time. You know where I was at then? Did Did I tell you this when I was in my uh, when I was on my trip um, to the UK? I don't know if you know that I went there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna get you a back tat, <laughs> a tram stamp. Yeah. Um, I got an email, like a Facebook message from somebody who he apologized for being oblivious to realizing that I had a huge crush on him, like when I was like 17. And he's like, I'm sorry for being like an idiot teenage boy and not realizing. And then he sent me all these photos. Is this your positive thing? No, no, no. This but is that's just so like, nice. He said, no, it was kind of embarrassing, but he sent me all these like, um, photos of all these notes I had written him. And the funniest part about the notes, they were like, <laughs> So this happened today in class, and then this, and then this, and I'm going to this person's birthday party. Anyway, I should go. Call me later. Bye. And I love that I like write like two page note and be like, okay, well I gotta go. I have things to do. But like, why did I write? I don't know. Because he loved him. Yeah, I had a huge crush on him. Um, but it was just so funny. And then he like said it, but he's like, uh, he's. It was just. It was. A, but then it was like a. It was just a weird attraction. And I was like, oh, ha ha ha. That's probably the reason I had to go into comedy is to deal with all this. And he's like, oh, well, am I the reason? I was like, oh, no. I mean, like, as a joke, what? I'm it's like, not all about you, Sean. <laughs> and then I was like, so how's Vancouver? And he's like, well, you know, uh, they're selling our place. So my wife and I need to go move somewhere that's going to be smaller and more expensive and whatever. And I'm like, okay, so. Bye. You saved me, I guess. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah. laughs> And I was just like, oh, I'm in a castle right now in Scotland. I got to go. Bye. That's so cute of him. I know. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah. And I was just like, oh, God, I'm such a huge fucking loser. And the notes are like, are ridiculous. ridiculous. Did, and you had a good, you had a crush on him? You had a good crush. You had a big crush on him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a crush on a lot of boys, though. And these were notes from when you were 17? I was like, yeah, I think it was like, because it would have been grade uh, like 11, 16, 17. Yeah, yeah. Guess, yeah. Yeah. When the hormones peak. My hormones are still peaking. I'm on the rise. Wow. 17 was the age I became no longer a virgin. I know you were a slut. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not slut shaming you. I'm just kidding. But that's also a, I feel like that's a reasonable age. Yeah, no, no, no. And it was my boyfriend. When I hear it's a young, like, I know my one friend, she lost her virginity when she was 14. Oof, that's young. But she had also skipped a grade. So all, we were all 15. (laughs) We're just still young. But no, but like... But she skipped a grade. No, so you know, like... So she was like, smart. She was a year younger, so it just... But even though we were all in the same grade, she was in like grade, like whatever, grade 10 or something. But because she had skipped the grade, she was younger. So it sounds really young. Or maybe she was 15. I don't know. She's a whore. Whatever. Um, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We. It's funny, like, my husband... Um, lost his virginity quite late in life. And How the, old was Few when he lost his virginity? Like 21. What? I could. I thought he was like a little stud of Lester. So. <laughs> poking it and everywhere. So, so he was so shy. So this is the best part Aww. about this story, though. He 
wanted to wait. He waited because he wanted to lose his virginity to someone he loved. Like he wanted it to be a special experience. And that what never happened. <laughs> that Wait, never happened. So he had sex with some girl at a party and literally remembers nothing about it. Good and I'm like, him. oh, so you waited so long. And then you were just like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. People build up sex so big in their minds when you're a virgin. And, and the then, first time it's awful anyway. And you just have to have sex to have more sex. So you just got to bang it out, get it out of the way. Yeah, build that yeah. toolkit. <laughs> yeah. Take it from us. Yeah. Fuck anything. <laughs> Don't make it special. Work hard. Work hard. That's so cute. I feel like, you know why I like Phil? is because I feel like he's a classic example of a man who's good looking but does well maybe he knows it now but i was gonna say but doesn't or he's unaware of how like charming and attractive he actually is and he is all like, humble about it but now you literally just told me he told you he was handsome and charming so well he, <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about the skills he brings as a salesman um but yes no for that he was just the shyest Aww. shyest boy but yeah i just thought it was such a funny concept that he like really waited because he wanted it to be special and then his dick was like come on man we oh got it. We got to do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gets to a point where you just got to do it. Fuck. I was 20, which was late for me in my friend group. I was one of the only other, one of the only virgins in my friend group. The only other one was a, a, one of our friends who was in the closet. And then mm-hmm. our friend said, you know what? Why don't you two just fuck? And like, he was gay and I knew he was gay, but like he wasn't out and, and he was gay. And so we were just like, uh, um, um, I, I don't, maybe we'll think about it. But I don't. She's like, seriously, you two should just fuck already. And we're like, okay, well, we'll just put a pin in that, and then we'll, maybe we'll come back to that. Just have this idea of you guys in a closet, and you like have no idea which position or hole. Taped onto our hands in the dark. It's like sticking in. And and you're like, I no, can't... I'm the little spoon. Yeah, exactly. I'm the little spoon. Just fucks my belly button, and we're like, cool. Oh my god, losing a virginity is an absolute nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I mean, actually my friend who lost it when she was like 14 or whatever, I guess she he was like actually like in love. And that was like her first big like high school boyfriend. They were together for like, I think all of high school. Or so whatever. even though that's young, it was like in a very like healthy, yeah, safe serious, space. He's a really nice guy. Like he's, yeah. Went to her wedding. No yeah. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really nice guy. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know many other people that are like, Oh my God, it was so beautiful. I was in love and, you know, we still stay in touch and it's great. Like, no, most people, it's not that. Uh, no. And yeah. it's painful. Ugh. Sex is just sex. It's fine. I was, I'm reading a book right now and the uh, protagonist loses their virginity and just the way they describe the pain and how uncomfortable it is it just feels so real and part of me just like cringe. I was like, oh, yeah. that's, ex- that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, 17. Oh, yeah. This all started because of episode 17. Oh, what, yeah. um, what, what, what's happening in your world that's positive? What did you see? What did you do for, th- what did you do for the podcast? What did I do for the podcast? <laughs> no. So this is something I saw when I was out and I really, really liked it. And then I posted on social media. So you might have seen this already, but I was at, um, SoCap Theater, the Social Capital Theater in Toronto. Oh. I was doing, you saw this? Yeah. yeah. I was doing a show and in the bathroom, in the women's bathroom, they had uh, night gone bad. Tell your bartender there's broken glass in the bathroom for help. So if your date's not who they said they'd be, someone's making you feel uncomfortable or being unsafe or acting weird. If your friend had too much to drink and you want to cut her off and you want to tell the bartender, but you don't want your friend to be mad at you, 
show them they'll ask you to show them where the broken glass is and then they'll ask you when you're in the bathroom what do you need how they can help you if they need to call an uber or walk you to your car or get you out to make sure you have a safe and fun time and i just love that because i've heard of them before where i know there's ones that are like i've seen signs up where it's like order an angel shot at the bar and you'll get help but like that's not inconspicuous like can we get shots I'm just like, I'm in a really bad situation. (laughs) (laughs) That's like not, but saying there's broken glass in the bathroom and then like, oh shit. Yeah. We'll come see it. That's like a real way you could leave in something that's very low key. And your date, if there really is something wrong or you're in a situation where you're not feeling comfortable, like if there's something bad, like you, yeah, it's just like a much easier way to do it. It's much more low key. It won't alarm people. And I was like, oh my God, I want to tell everyone. But then I was like, wait, that'll defeat the purpose of this existing. That's exactly what I was thinking. They should have something like this everywhere, but it would have to be specific to the venue. Yeah. Like this would be broken glass in this. Because if everybody knows, then you're like, there's broken glass in the bathroom. And the guy in your date's like, well, fuck, obviously this is not going well. You know what I mean? If the code yeah. is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, but the broken glass thing is just so brilliant. Like yeah. I actually love it. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was really, really good because it's much more subtle then mm-hmm. i know i've heard there's like angel shots or there's one uh i forget what the other one was but i saw it and it was like ask go to the bartender and ask for you like you're there for ask if ashley's at working tonight or something it's like something like that where you ask if someone's on shift tonight and then that's how they know but again that still involves somebody like and then ashley's like hi hey, what's <laughs> up? do we know each other you're like bitch save me i'm just picturing when that you're in, you're actually in the place and you're like, there's broken glass in the bathroom and someone's like, fuck, yeah. I just cleaned that up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was really, really cool. It's awesome. What's your thing? What'd you do for the podcast or for your life? And I wasn't, so it wasn't what I did. Um, so on Friday, on Friday, I went to go pick up some groceries and this small market in my neighborhood has expanded and for whatever reason, the new space they're in, I don't know if like the mafia runs it now or what's going on. No, it's there? weird. The energy is like sterile and quiet and everyone looks like they're like, like it looks like just Stockholm syndrome. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, they all don't really want to talk about stuff. I'd be like, do you have this? And they'd be like, um, maybe like, you work here, like right? Laundering money. I-, I don't know what's going on. It's super weird. So on Friday, I was there and there was this lovely lady who looked kind of familiar, but I'm like, maybe I've just seen her in the neighborhood. And um, she says to the woman that's working there, uh, hi, um, I called and spoke to her manager so-and-so and she said that there's, uh, she put aside a bunch of extra ripe bananas for me. And the girl doesn't speak English very well, can't figure out what she's talking about. It's taking forever in the back. And the girl says to me, I'm really sorry. I should have let you pay for your stuff first. And I was like, I'm, don't worry about it. I'm not in a rush. And then I said to her, you know, does the energy in here kind of weird you out now? And she was like, oh, my God. I was just thinking about it. I thought I was the only one. And we kind of had this, like, little bit of yeah, commiseration. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not crazy. And I see she's holding this tray of cupcakes. And I'm like, I thought you looked familiar. You're the baker from down the street. And I'm like, your stuff's amazing. And she's like, oh, thanks. That's so nice. And she was with her niece or something. I think they were Someone's just... Someone's holding cupcakes and you become their friend pretty quick, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to always be the case. <laughs> you look really familiar and pretty. Anyway, what flavors are cupcakes? <laughs> Oh, as, as drool smacking <laughs> on the ground. No, she is. She's a great baker. Really sweet. 
And um, and anyway, so I, I bought my stuff, and and then they came out, and they were like, "We don't have your fucking bananas." Like they were just so for unaccommodating. I think um, I don't know what she was I mean, doing. That's not the point, but no, but I think she was looking to use this produce that was almost off, gotcha. where maybe like for her, right? Maybe yeah. for her company. <laughs> so I'm leaving, and she's like, "Excuse me, excuse me," and I thought maybe I dropped something, and she was like, "I brought these cupcakes." for the market because they did this nice thing for me for the bananas but they turned out to be awful and you've been so sweet I'd so love you to give these to you and she gave me all the cupcakes yeah, big girl for the win so <laughs> sweet but it was like I, I told my girlfriend and she writes me back and she goes what a sweetheart and a fucking bitch <laughs> why is she a fucking bitch because she gave me cupcakes you know what I mean no. I don't need any extra cupcakes I didn't yes, need six do. cupcakes they were delicious Fuck. anyway it was just a really nice thing it was nice that she even came to bring them in the first place i don't understand okay you get free donuts when did i get free donuts you remember someone gave you a donut at tori's oh yeah he get, he was walking out and i was like hey man what's up and he was like here's the donut yeah and then this lady gives you six cupcakes i don't know what kind of vibes the- i'm giving off yeah why well, you're gonna someone's gonna be like do you want to come here for a minute and just sit you down to a fucking Sunday roast. Like, and then you walk down the street, you find $20 bills on the street, $10 bills. Maybe the beaches is better for me than I think. Yeah, you're all this woe is me shit. <laughs> and you have literally people trying to shove cupcakes and da- donuts and money down your throat. It w- No one's shoving money down my throat, even though I would really enjoy that. But it was just so funny. And that's so similar to like, when I cut my finger and the girl was like, do you need a new Band-Aid? Well, that's when your finger sunk and she asked you if you need a new Band-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it smells like an old hockey bag in here. Do you need a new Band-Aid? Yeah. And then this woman, but I obviously she was just like, you look like the kind of gal that would chow down on a cuppy or two, you know? Well, oh, <laughs> Phil was really excited. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to try this trick. Next time I'm out and I see someone holding something, I'm like, is there anything I can do? I didn't help her. I was just nice and she was annoyed and we commiserated. Anyway, it was very thoughtful. So what if the mafia is running it and they're using it to launder money and now they've heard you talk about it on this internationally acclaimed podcast? Then I guess it's no more cupcakes for me. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, that'll be your last one. We went real dark. Real dark. I don't think that they're money laundering. Like, they still are selling food. It's just all the women that work there look a, a little stunned. Thing. Yeah, it could be a front, though. But, like, they're, but it's a franchise. It's a franchise. No, it's... I don't want to... I don't want to oh, say. Oh, yeah, of course, in the mafia. Yeah. There's a restaurant beside us that just... It ne- it has, like, almost no customers in it ever. Oh, well, Beside our office. Mm-hmm. And now they've just decided they're going to be open 24 hours a day. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's super legit. Let's see what... Let's, for the, no one that comes here ever, <laughs> let's keep it over 24 hours a day so we can really amp up this business that doesn't happen. And I, like, yeah. I always think that about, um, there's a, a house in my neighborhood and they've been tearing it down, quote unquote, for three years. Oh, yeah. What are they doing? Did you watch the Ozarks? That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like money laundering for sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Construction costs, that's where it is. Genius. I love it. Okay. What is your, you go first. What's your, what's your article? Okay. So, uh, there was a, an, in, this happened really recently. An Indian train passenger tweeted. So basically this guy was on a train in India and there were 26 girls and they all looked 
really sad and uncomfortable and clutching to each other. And so he tweeted, I'm traveling in and said that, you know, the, yeah. the train company and the, the, um, the number of the actual train in S5 in my coach. There are 26 girls, all are juvenile. Some of them are crying and all feeling insecure. The Indian Railway Service replied immediately. The minister of the railways responded like half an hour later. And a few stops later, railway police boarded the train, but they they boarded in plain clothes, I guess undercover, and rescued 26 girls, arrested two men. Um, All these girls were like 10 to 14. And uh, so then they were transferred to state child welfare authorities who worked to identify the girls' families and inform them of their whereabouts. And it's just a really nice story where social media... Helped. helped massively. It just says uh, the rescue of the 26 girls is being hailed as an example of the power of social media to help fight the malaise of child trafficking with many Twitter users hailing this guy as a hero for his proactiveness. Oh my God. Well, yay for him. Right? I thought that was incredible because child trafficking is a major problem in India. And just this guy like intuitively picked up on this discomfort he tweeted not knowing who could see it or what. I mean, if it were to ever endanger his own welfare. And they they saved these girls. It was just beautiful because well, the statistics are pretty jarring. It says over 9,000 Indian children were victims of trafficking in 2016. So it's like a real fucking problem. Oh, my God. That's horrific. I remember watching this Oprah back in the day where this woman was like a neighbor of... girls have been kidnapped and being held in the basement and they got a weird feeling about what was happening in the house and it had they've been there for like years or something then i guess they saw the girls come out or something like that they saw something and they were like we got a funny feeling and we're just like something's not right but we can't put our finger on it the elizabeth smart case was it i don't know what it was but it was like someone talking about just like we got a funny feeling we can't put our finger on it and oprah was talking about how like trust your intuition in those circum in those circumstances like so if you're wrong you're wrong they'll get it sorted out but in this situation although that being said don't like be racist and use it to be like oh i think this person is gonna be a terrorist no and that happens too for sure where people are yeah you know what it's it's so funny that you say that so that i I think it's a similar case that you're talking about to what i was thinking there is a house at the end of one of the roads that run parallel or perpendicular to mine. Mm-hmm. And the house is like inset. It's farther back than all of the other ones. Yeah. And it's completely unkempt, which is really not in tandem with the rest with of the, the homes area. with yeah. the area. But the house is all boarded up. Like all the windows are boarded up. There's never a shred of light allowed in the house. No, I've never seen a shutter slightly opened what are you doing in that house that you can't let in a tiny bit of light, right? You're so not a vampire. Are, it's not like... So I thought it was abandoned at first and I didn't really think too much about it. And then I was walking by at night with the dog and there was a light on in the den. And I was like, oh shit, somebody lives there. Then I was walking the dog another day or I was whatever, leaving the house. And I saw a guy taking out his trash. And this is not a guy you want to run into in a dark alley, okay? And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing in this house? So I called the police. 
Oh, wow. And I was like, listen, I don't know if this is an Elizabeth Smart case, but if there are women in the basement eating cans of spoiled beans being beaten, like, we need to figure this out. I didn't call the emergency line. I called 411 or whatever it was and told them about everything, and they said that they would send a crew to check it out. But I don't know. How long ago was that? (sighs) A month ago? Oh, shit. I was like, I can't live with this, knowing that something really sinister could be happening literally down the street from us. Yeah. But what a perfect place to hide in a beautiful suburban neighborhood where you wouldn't think that something like this would be happening. You're yeah. you're further inset. You keep all your shit quiet with your doors and your windows shut and whatever. Yeah. I yeah. actually the other day thought about following up being like, did you guys ever go check it out? Because yeah. you never know, right? Like, not your business, woman. I guess so. But at the same time, what exactly what we're saying is like those people that don't feel right about something going on and report yeah. it are often the ones that lead to this whole thing on all of those types of cases being uncovered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. Creepy as fuck. So then I was thinking like what other incidences, um, have occurred where somebody's used social media to get help for whatever somebody well, being Kanye kidnapped. Oh, reach out oh my God. No. Well, I mean, yes, but no, this is more like, uh, not like I need yeah. help. It's like, uh, this person needs help and can't do it for themselves. So it said, um, on April 7th, The internet social sensation of Twitter saved a carjack victim in South Africa. Two armed men forced the victim into the boot of the car, but the hijackers didn't realize that the Johannesburg man still had his cell phone. He then sent an SMS message to his girlfriend to be on the look for this type of car and whatever. So she tweeted after receiving the message, my boyfriend's just been hijacked and is in the boot. Please retweet. So her friends began to circulate the message, which eventually got picked up by a user called pig spotter boasting a following of more more than a hundred thousand followers and the user who primarily uses his twitter to warn johannesburg drivers about speed traps updated followers on the story as it progressed so he i guess he's right constantly in touch with people driving um anyway in less than an hour private rescue teams and security firms were investigating canine law enforcement was able to track the location of the vehicle via the victim's cell phone and an hour later the hijackers uh hit a roadblock and abandoned the car and its owner and then they went and like got him out wow very cool how long ago was that um and they wait and they also said too this isn't the first incident where someone's been rescued or a vehicle's been retrieved as a direct result of tweeting this guy pig spotter and it being retreated retweeted and reaching the right people at the right moment in time um, when was this? This was 2012. That's really cool. So not too long ago. And th- I mean, there's a bunch of different things, which I just thought was Twitter specifically, I guess, with the retweetability. Yeah. And it's such an instantaneous kind of thing, right? It's like. And it's like a news. It's more of a news outlet, right? I like think now people could do like Facebook or Instagram live or something. <laughs> I'm in the back of a truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm vlogging from the back <laughs> of a truck. I've just been fucking hey, hijacked everyone. again. So don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> and this vlog is coming to you. <laughs> um, that's, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I felt it was really uplifting just because um, I... 
I tend to really see all the negative in social media. It really gets me down. Yeah. So when I find these really beautiful, beneficial ways that people are utilizing this type of technology, it's just such a nice reminder of the the benefits that it can have and the, the lives that it can save. Well, I think that's the thing. A lot of it's really easy to shit on social media. I think it really is, and I understand. You start comparing yourself to other people. People get insecurities. It's like keeping up with the Joneses. None of it's kind of real. People are only showing their best edit themselves or they're being dramatic and weird and whatever. And, but it's also like been a place where a lot of people find support. Support groups are created online. Totally. And just like that in general, like there's so many Facebook support groups for people, both good and bad. But like for the ones that are like, like it's kind of like there's like Al-Anon online and like people, if your family or someone in your family is an alcoholic and you can get together with people or, or certain weird things or weird diseases that people have that are just so uncommon and you think you're alone in it or you think you're suffering alone in it. And, and like you wouldn't be connected to these people otherwise. And yeah, and you just wouldn't be connected and no one talks about it and you don't know anyone who has it, but then it's like more of an open forum. Like, I think there is a lot, I mean... It's like anything, right? It can be used for good or bad. I was just going to say that. And yeah. it's also like how you use it personally. Like for me, I get I get really um I get really sucked in and I find I spend too much time on it and it I don't know. There it that, that's exactly a thing. It can be used for both good and bad and it depends how you use it yeah. and how it affects you. But the fact that it's out there saving people's lives and it's reducing risks of danger is just amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I like it. Yay, Twitter. Yay, Twitter. Um, okay, so mine. So there was a Chicago school teacher. Kimberly Bermudez was her name. She was traveling on Southwest Airlines. It was a flight to Florida to visit her parents. And the person sitting beside her asked her what she did for a living. And she started talking about her first grade students that she taught. And she's a teacher. But they all come from low-income families. And she said some of the students at her school are actually homeless. So he started asking her, like, what's the most challenging part of your job? And she said seeing kids come to school hungry. So they have, like, hardworking immigrant parents struggling to provide just really basic necessities for the families. And she's saying it's hard because... She can only control what she can control. And there's a lot at home that, like, they don't... They're amazing parents, and they don't... They'll go without for the sake of their children, but they can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And then the seatmate replied that his company donates to schools like hers. And so she told the name of her school, which is the Carlos Fuentes Elementary. And they would totally welcome any donations. And teachers in the uh, school and the administrators, they go into their own money to help kids with whatever they need, like underwear, soap, school supplies, just how much they care. Amazing. So then right away, someone tapped her on the shoulder and the man seated behind her had been listening the whole time. And he had a kid and he said he apologized for eavesdropping and then handed her a stack of cash and said, here you go, like do something amazing with this for your students. And so there was like a hundred dollar bill on top. And I, apparently there was like, I guess there was, I don't know how much exactly it was. And then as a, a man from across the aisle said he was also listening, gave her money. Stop. Someone else said he was listening, handed her 20 bucks. He said, that's all, all the cash I have. Another contributor said from who was sitting in front of her said, I heard here's more money. And, but he gave her 10 bucks and then everyone gave her a whole bunch of money. And she ended up with over 500 kids or five, sorry, over $500 
given to her by strangers and people saying like they were going to give her more money and send them more money and just like how amazing it was and she's just gonna use the money to um buy stuff to help support the students a lot of them they can't read at home because they don't have any books so she's trying to get re- more books for them all those kind of things like it's crazy it's crazy how little so many schools are given like even like in vancouver i have friends who are teachers i have a friend who's a principal and she every year goes out of her own pocket and buys like you yeah, know like all the decorations you, you see on the walls and stuff stuff and, like, that's so important and stuff that you're like the school doesn't fucking provide that it's like my sister being like oh i gotta go buy pens because we don't get them given to us at work i'm like you're a nurse and you need to write on charts and you need to bring your own fucking pens actually yeah you and i should just take a flight and be like we are so poor we, we are, are poor comedians we are going to give the money to lots of people Winking, winking. <laughs> also, your cupcakes look delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but That's just wicked. like so cool because everyone was listening and then wanted to help her out, and I thought it was like a really. And you have to think too, like I don't know. There's just something really special, energy-wise, spiritually, whatever you want to call it. That like she was having this conversation with one person who ended up having this connection that would help her and then all these other people were the type of people that want to give out of the goodness of their heart and i don't know that's that's awesome it's like people are most people are good you know there's mostly good stuff out there Mm -hmm. um so we just uh, don't hear about it which is why we have a positive don't forget to subscribe And give us your money. Um, and maybe cupcakes. Yeah, a couple yeah, cupcakes. Maybe cupcakes. a donut, whatever. Maybe Sarah doesn't need them as much as I do because I haven't <laughs> gotten any from anyone for free, but yeah, cool. Um, Kate, has, then, Kate has a cupcake deficiency. She may <laughs> die. I mean, don't go look at my Instagram because you'll probably see that I don't have a cupcake deficiency, <laughs> but <laughs> that'd be great. So, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Now I want a cupcake. I'm like salivating. Yeah, sorry. Um... I thought you were reaching out to hold my hand. No? Yeah. Oh, you're sweating. I am sweating. I know. No, it's not. It's clammy. Okay. So this is another thing. It's it's related in that you'll see. Okay. okay. So students mm-hmm. from a British university um, raised over 2,000 pounds, I'm assuming, uh, to, for a janitor, Herman Gordon, who's worked at Bristol University for more than a decade. And he's apparently just one of the most beloved members of the staff there have you yeah. seen this Can no this? you had another article a while ago about the car that was stolen and yes yes but this is yeah beautiful so this is along the same thing so he's so well liked by the students and by everyone and apparently he's just this amazing person that they started a fundraising page because they loved him so much he's from jamaica originally but he hasn't been able to go back because of the cost and he works hours on end to provide them with like great places to study so they raised i think it's like two thousand pounds uh to send him on a vacation and so he's going and he was crying and he's able to go see his family um that's wonderful yeah that is so wonderful makes me cry and it's so cute and the picture and there's like a video oh no he's just like this teddy bear breaks down in tears after his students raise money to send he and his wife on vacation that's really, really lovely. Yeah. What great right? kids. And just like, yeah, exactly. And I, so, you know what? We say it's not always about money, but sometimes it is. And that helps people. So. 
And it's really nice that, you know, we talk about this too. Like we live in a very me, 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 um, insular society. Like we're really not community driven. And so when people are able to pull together and to even just have that knowledge to be like, this guy's amazing. He does so much for us. Let's yeah. do something special for him and that they're all on board. I don't know. That's awesome. I know. It was so cute. I love it. Um, yeah. What's your throwaway? So I guess this is sort of intermixed with um, with this whole thing about technology. We were talking about it can be used for wonderful things and terrible things. And one of the terrible things that I find at least is like this... <sighs> Life is so difficult as it is. And then to have to upkeep an online persona on top of it and that the expectations are almost higher because you have this, you know, you have this ability of filters and this perfection, right? And at least we have the self-awareness. But I find that like the thing that I get nervous about is the, is, is the youth is young people who, who think, you know, they don't have, they didn't grow up not having that so they look at a picture don't necessarily know that there's a filter or whatever and they're like i need to be right. perfect too right? right so much body dysmorphia i feel like it's a huge problem so um this photographer sophie mayan says uh, in a world that can seem transfixed by perfection um i'm going to begin to document people's scars so she started a project called behind the scars and where she captures the unique histories besides people's quote unquote, behind people's quote unquote imperfections and celebrate the difference that make all of us unique you know so she has a picture there's a really beautiful picture of this just lovely girl who was in a house fire a few years ago and she has burns and scars and scar tissue all over her body and this is a real opportunity to be like this is part of who I am and there's real there's nothing to be ashamed about it this is part of my life and you know and people that go through um that have cancer you know double mastectomies and there's another girl she was doing a routine chemistry experiment and the flames came out at her and a bit of fuel she was holding ignited her whole body. Um, you know, what insecurity that would bring just in general. But when you're comparing yeah. yourself to this constant, quote unquote, perfection that you can't achieve, you become so ashamed of your past and your scars. And really, yeah. they're just something that make you stronger and interesting. And there's no reason to hide this. Well, I feel like we grew up with like things like Seventeen Magazine and YM and things like that, where that was... <laughs> What everyone was supposed to look like, and now it's gotten. Now it's like Instagram is the new. But the thing that medium, but yes, in it, but Seventeen Magazine is like, oh, I'm going out. I'm buying this magazine. I'm getting it. Whatever. This is just like constant in your like face. Constant. Yes, and I think the other thing is, is that they've managed to. I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at a magazine, you at least have this. Like, okay, this is a famous person. Model, there's makeup. Yeah, yeah. There's all this kind of stuff where it's like how to look like this person or whatever. Yeah. And there is that understanding and that disconnect. Whereas with Instagram, it's almost like fake word of mouth. Like it's supposed to be, you know, when people before they used to have to say paid partnership yeah. and they'd be like, I just love this stuff. And it's like, what an amazing way to have somebody almost look at someone like a friend or like they're just like them and they're they like this product. Yeah. Right. Whereas that's actually not the truth because they're doing it because they're getting paid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Anyway, I just thought it was a really beautiful way to, you know, or for somebody who's genderqueer and undergoes these surgeries and already has so many insecurities and this other girl in the project, she's had 15 surgeries, a brain tumor, a punctured intestine, an obstructed bowel, a cyst in her brain, and and a condition called hydrocephalus. And hydrocephalus, yeah. Hydrocephalus. And she said, when I was 21, I finally started embracing my scars and accepting my body for what it does. In celebration of that, I launched a campaign called hashtag scarred, not scared, because I knew I could not be alone. I didn't want anyone to feel isolated in their struggles with physical illness and chronic pain. And it became the perfect platform to remove the shame around our scars and our bodies in general. And then this woman did this photo exhibition and just gave these beautiful, wonderful people a space to shine in that they typically would, you know, um, hide away from. I just thought it was a really cool, important I project. That. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So that's my shaz. What's your shaz? Shaz? What's your shaz? So this was from a while ago. This is from, well, this is from last year. But oof. I never heard, oof. Dated? No, no I thought this was from <laughs> years ago, but it's just from last year. Shut up. Um, but I had never heard about this, and it's from, it's like a Toronto thing that I had never seen or heard of. And I was like, I wish I knew that was happening because I would have 100% gone to support this. Oh my God, is this the laneways? No. <gasps> okay, no, tell me. Okay, so the headline is Toronto Chefs Open Canada's First HIV Positive Restaurant to Dispel Stigmas. Stop. That yeah. is amazing. So while working in um, a sexual health, we're working as a sexual health educator in Calgary several years ago, there was this activist who would gently correct clients who said they had never met a gay person. And he's like, yeah, well, you probably have. You just don't know it. And a lot of people say with like about HIV, a lot of people think they don't know anyone who's HIV positive. I'm like, well, you actually probably do. And it's something that's, it's not something that they need to advertise or wear out. But it's also like these total misunderstandings of like what it is to be right. HIV they positive, think if you kiss someone with HIV that you're gonna get or HIV. Or they prepare your food. So right. this is all about all the chefs. So one of fourteen HIV positive chefs who developed a menu and a pop up restaurant organized by Casey House, which is a Toronto hospital for people living with HIV and AIDS. It's just trying to get like a tackle the myths and that people just don't understand and knowingly eating shared food or sharing food prepared by someone who is HIV positive. Um, because, you know, way back in the day, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who still think this, like skin to skin touch or saliva or sharing glasses or cutlery, which is just so not the case. So not and the case. And there's so many things where people, their viral counts can be so low and undetectable. And there's just so many things out there that people don't understand that that is like, you can't transmit if you have no viral load. Like there's all these things that people don't know about it. And so it's just really trying to tackle those stigmas that people have without preaching. It sort of speaks for itself. Yeah. And they, uh, like some of the little quotes on their menu or on their aprons will be like, I got HIV from pasta said no one ever. Amazing. Right. Where is this? Just like, so they opened it. Um, where do they do it? I don't know if they did it at Casey. I don't know. It was like a pop-up restaurant. There was a guy who's been living with HIV for 30 years. Uh, everyone had something f- cool to bring to the table. Like, um, So it had only a two-night run, and they wanted more events in the future, but it quickly sold out. So it took place a year ago, like last June. Oh, cool. And yeah, just like really being open about talking to people like, the death sentence that it once was and the fear and misunderstanding all around the disease. Like 
it's just it's about educating people what it means today to have it. There's been so many advancements that people can live years and decades and decades. Well, think life. about how devastating and isolating it is to be diagnosed with something like HIV and then to have the ignorance of the world be like, ugh, and isolate yeah. you further and think of you as some kind of like diseased monster. Like, that's so unnecessary. Yeah, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it and he was talking just in general about how there's these silly signals where it's, you should, like, if somebody's positive or negative, like, if they either have HIV or don't, but, like, an old way of thinking, a lot of people are like, oh, are you clean? Which means, like, what, so you're not clean? If you have, you know, it's like, that's a way to talk about it. Just, like, the language needs to change. Totally. To be more respectful. And often, like, in media it hasn't caught up yet and when somebody has like hiv in a tv show or in a movie you're like oh that's all focused on like death and tragedy it's not ever like someone's living and thriving and that's just like you know media and Ooh, press and all of that that's but it very doesn't interesting. show people like actually thriving and having a life and it like, not meaning what and, it used and it to not being everything that they're about like someone has it but that's not all who they are yeah it's not right it's not yeah it's not that's not their entire existence and personality and life isn't all this one thing it's a part of it and it's a part of what's happened to them and they're living with hiv and managing this health condition but it's not everything about them well yes and the thing is is that like like most things it needs to be approached by the public with compassion not with repulsion and ignorance, right? Yeah, and they say, honestly, it just allows us to be seen as humans. Which is, like, so fucked that... that you have to even to be, say that. But what an awesome thing that they're doing. So I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, but Casey House, fuck, I... Like, awesome. Yeah, I Beautiful. think it's so cool. I think it's so amazing. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's something that... There's just, there's a lot of education that needs to be done on that kind of stuff. Yes, but the amazing thing is, is that because so often, for instance, with, you know, with a lot of stuff, even as an example, because this is something I can actually speak to as opposed to something else, but with feminism, a lot of what the conversation has turned into is man-hating and so much anger and there's going to be, it's going to be met with resistance. There's going to be some people that'll take it, you know, especially if it's given with humor or whatever it is. But if you're just constantly screaming about hating men and the, across the board in general and all these type of things, like as opposed to educating young men and all the good things that you should be doing and the way to think about things and how things were before and, and how they've changed and how that benefits society, it's just going to be it, it, yeah. Otherwise, you're perpetuating this horrible cycle where guys are going to be like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, it's a reason why feminism um, is a really. Uh, it's like a dirty word. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really think that uh, that that's a really amazing way to to inform progress. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So All right, that. guys. They're trying at Casey House. We're trying at our house. We're trying. We love you. Thanks Just try. Listening. Try. Don't forget to subscribe.